0: Thank you, Terry, choir, soloist, orchestra, praise band, all those things we can take for granted that, if we're all left up to me, would sound kind of like a junkyard filled with pots is hitting all over the place. be a mess. Thank you. If you're watching in the simulcast, you can see around you, a lot of your neighbors are at the coast. Right? But you may be, once again, as I said earlier, in a house, a beach house. You may be in a restaurant, watching, getting ready to take a dip in the water in a little bit, enjoying all that. Well, this is $3,000 for every person member that's here today. So you may—no, It's we're glad glad you're out there enjoying it. It's a great place to be, and I'm glad so many of our folks can get away to go do that, aren't you? Who said no? We are glad. Enjoy that time with your family. Enjoy. Look what God made, that giant machine, that ocean going back and forth. It's wonderful. But good to see you here today. Before we do anything else, it is Memorial Day weekend. That's not just, just a weekend to take some chicken or hot dogs or hamburgers or steaks and put them on the grill. It's exponentially beyond that. <clears throat> I don't know. At the at the there's some people that think it's cheesy. I think it's kind of, well, I don't know. shouldn't say anything. It's a church. Should you honor anything on this day? Listen, ladies and gentlemen, let me say this to you, whether you're watching in the freedom of a restaurant or a beach house or wherever you are, or if you're sitting right here, it didn't happen because we're certain countries in our world where you would have, you'd be imprisoned, you'd have your, perhaps your head chopped off, perhaps you'd be given a menial job in society because of your belief. But this is America. And every country that's ever been on the face of the earth, there's never been a perfect one. God will eventually make it perfect, and you can get there. But this is America. And for the different flaws and things we've had, we've at least had the freedom and sought to work on those things. And we've had people in our country at the very onset that said they believe we're endowed by the Creator with certain inalienable rights. By the Creator. Listen, folks, if we can't get that part right, what can we get right? Right? And so we have that right that people have been willing to die for over the centuries because God has given that right, and that's a right worth fighting for. And we have, and people have died. There are people that have been in this room today and in here now that have lost husbands, brothers, loved ones because they served in the military defending the idea of freedom. Unless you think that's all around the world and everyone has that, You'd be mistaken. I was in junior high, high school, and in college with students having gone to school in South Florida who lost uncles, aunts, grandparents, cousins trying to come over on a makeshift boat, planks or pallets tied together to get from Cuba to the United States, to have a chance to have freedom, to worship freely, to choose a job they may want, a vocation they may want. Not to be given a free education is some cry for here. I want a free education. You can get it there. And I've told some of the students that I've seen on UNCG campus, you know, we, we want free education. You can get it in Cuba. The only thing is if you're a physician, you make $28 a month. You see? It's not free. Everything costs something. And being here today is not free. Being here today, when you look across Arlington National Cemetery, there's over 400,000 grave markers there. People that have served. There are people in this congregation, we have some double purple hearts, that got injured, almost killed, went to the hospital, spent weeks and months in the hospital, only to go back. There's a price for freedom. There always will be. There will always be people that say, we're smarter than you, we'll tell you how to think. At least in our nation, you see, we even defend the right for an atheist not to believe. God gives that right, does he not? We defend that right. You can, if you choose not to believe, regretful, but you can choose that. We'll fight for your freedom to not do that. So today, lest we just take it for granted and just just like another day, what I would like to have happen, and congregation, listen carefully. I just want our veterans to stand in just a moment, whether you've served in peacetime or wartime. Save your response. I just want you to look around. Young and old, I'm going to ask our veterans right now to stand. Please hold your response. Veterans, please stand. Thank you. I want you to look around. Look around. Every person you see put on a uniform was really willing to be a target for freedom, to wear a uniform on their back that wore Man, I'm a target. I am here, and I'm standing for the idea and the dynamic and the truth of a God-given right called freedom. And we want to show an appropriate response to all of them because we didn't just wake up and come here because we were born. We woke up and able to get here the way we did, or if you're watching in a beach house because you've been able to have income to do it, or if you're watching in in your home, it's because people did this for us. Now, I'd like all of our veterans, if you would, to sit down in church, give them the right response we need to give to them, if you would do that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you for serving. Thank you. Thank you. That's right. Thank you. Humbling, and we truly do thank you that you're willing to make that sacrifice. Thank you for that. That's why we can be here today in that freedom. God gave the right, and all of you that stood up proud and blessed that you're willing to do that. Some in this room that have suffered injury because of their service, even in peacetime. We're blessed for that. Today's message on the heels of looking at a world that's always had danger in it. It's just a one-word message today. It's one word. I rarely use that. It's just simply called warning. Warning. Warning neighbors na- 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 well, they're all around us, aren't they? There's a warning for so many things, but some of them, frankly, on the humorous side, if we Just look at a few of those, if I may, that show a few humorous. These are real warnings. You can go online, look up some of these different things if you like. They're just kind of crazy. I've looked around there. It's bizarre, some of the labels that exist in our world. For instance, some of you know what tall is. It's a nighttime sleep aid. I love the fact that on their package it has warning, may cause drowsiness. (laughs) I'm not buying that product. It may. I'm buying this thing, so I will be drowsy. Anyway, you get it. Uh, now, this one is true. This is on several brands of chainsaws. They show the label. They show the chainsaw. I know you won't believe it, but I'm just telling you what's true. It says, danger, warning, danger. Do not hold wrong end of chainsaw. <laughs> if you don't know when you go to start that that that's not good. You don't need to buy a chainsaw, friend, <laughs> right? It's, 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 it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. They're, they show the, the photo and all to illustrate it. Now this, some of you may have ATVs or jet skis. Anyone here have some of those things? Yeah, there's some hands going up, right? This is what it says on several brands of these. It says, warning, never use lit match or open flame to check fuel level. I'm going to put it in parenthesis, unless you want to turn your jet ski into a jet. (laughs) I mean, it's crazy, but there it is on there. Um, This is on SunShield brand car windshield, those deflectors you have in there. This is true. This is on the SunShield brand uh, sun deflector. Warning, do not drive with SunShield in place. Now, I've seen some people that would do about the same in their driving ability, with or without that thing. <laughs> do not try. Anyway, I've got a dozen more, but I think you get the idea and the picture. There's some really ludicrous warnings that are out there. But there is a warning that is, well, by, given by God Almighty. There's a warning that Jesus talks about, and it's found in Matthew chapter 8. Today's message is a hard message to preach because it deals with the most severe warning you could possibly be given. It deals with the eternal soul. Just like with warnings on the side of things or on packages, many times people will ignore those. I've asked myself, I wonder why those warnings got on those things. Probably somebody sued them and said, you know, they didn't tell me not to grab this side of the chainsaw. Didn't say on the instructions, don't use a lit match to check the gas tank. And probably had to put them on there because people can ignore warnings. In fact, there's some warnings on the side of Well, these things we have that uh, people put in their mouth, what does it say on the side of this? Warning. Surgeon General has determined that cigarette smoking is dangerous to your health, and yet people do it all the time, don't they? So people can ignore warnings. And today, you can use one of the excuses that people just do to ignore warnings. You can blow it off. You can put it off till later. You can think you're the exception. But the bottom line is, God today, as we look in this passage, you'll bring up our scripture found in uh, Mark chapter 8. I want you to see who Jesus addresses today. The Word of God tells us in Matthew eight thirty four. Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, a microcosm of the whole world. The crowd and the disciples. And he said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Once again, the crowd and the disciples. It represents everyone in the world. He said, if you're going to be my disciple, this is something that you have to do volitionally. You see, the word would there means a desire, a willing, deliberate choice. It's volitional. You don't have to be Jesus' disciple. He'll not make you be his disciple. But if you would, if you make a volitional choice, this is what you do. And he tells us what you must do, period. And so today, right now, if you're listening, if you're in earshot of what I'm saying, every person will fall into one of two categories. You will heed the warning, or you'll blow it off. You will heed it, or put it off, or blow it off, or think it's irrelevant, or think you have a better way to do something. But note, the choice is voluntary. It's an individual who must act on this. And it's used with a second person plural so you and I can put our names in there. If you would do that, this is what you must do. You have to have this voluntary act. And the Word of God says he must deny himself. That's not not really a natural thing, is it? In fact, it's a supernatural thing. But it also is a volitional act. Who will you follow? Will you follow yourself, your will, your selfish desires? Will you make life about you? Will you deny yourself, which means to allow Christ to rule and reign in your life? Rather than you ruling the decisions, who will rule and reign in your life? Will it be Jesus Christ? Will it be his principles, his precepts, and his ways? Or will you justify it and say, well, you know, it's really, I can do this. I'll be okay. I'll do this. God doesn't mess around. He wants, us to have, he wants to have rule and reign in our lives if we're going to be a disciple. If we're not, then there's another road. It's not pretty, but God does give the warning to us, you see. That word that has to do with denying is a word that says that first you have to say no to yourself, but it also presupp- it presupposes you have to say yes to Jesus Christ. Yes, I will listen to your ways, I will do as you've asked me to do. I'll not defer to my feelings. Feelings fool us. He says, do it my way first. Then comes the blessing. He says, you have to take up a cross. Well, picking up a cross is not a passive behavioral thing. Think about it. Think if we all left every Sunday, we all left our cross in the lobby, we all leave and go to restaurants, gas stations, and home with a cross, right? Tied to our cars or walk into restaurants. Kind of bizarre, isn't it? But Jesus said you have to take up a cross. Now, he's not talking about necessarily a literal cross, although many believers years ago were crucified for Christ. And there's some in the Middle East even today. And it's hard to look at and hard to see that get crucified right in Town Square, right in the middle of places. You see modern buildings there, believers being crucified because of their stand for Christ. First John two six says, Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. And so a cross is an instrument of execution. What are we executing, Jesus? Why do you say take up a cross? It means executing yourself. You execute your selfishness, you execute your self directed philosophy of life and give it to his rule and reign. It's a difference in it. You see the footprints and the footsteps of Jesus first led to the cross and ultimately led to glory ultimately led to the best thing there could possibly be but that's where they went first before they went to glory and the cross if you're picking up a cross you can't help but notice imagine leaving today and someone going to the restaurant or home or wherever you're going to or just see someone walking along the side of the road with the cross a cross is something that's quite noticeable isn't it isn't it you notice that? Hey, oh, look at oh there! Look at that jewelry he's got on. A twelve-foot cross there. It's something that's noticeable. When Jesus says, "Pick up a cross," he wants believers to be noticed. Live in such a way that people can see you've died to yourself. Live in such a way that you honor God with His well, His word, His ways. Live differently. Live and march to the beat of a different drum. When the world is saying do it this way because it's easier or whatever, sometimes it means we do it the hard way. Sometimes it just involves total honesty and our ethics. It means that we have to risk being disliked. It means we put our fears aside and our feelings aside and we do what God's Word says to do, period. And then Jesus says, and follow me. Follow. The word follow in Greek has the idea of seeking to live in the likeness of someone, when I was reading different books about athletes from years ago, some of you remember. I, in the first service, they remembered it better. In this service, you may have heard this person's name is Jerry West. He was the basketball player. How many have heard of him? A number of you have. Very famous player, great shooter, jump shot shooter. I, I, I was reading a book about him, and it said, as he's they're interviewing him in this book that he used to shoot 100 shots consecutively with his eyes closed, free throws, to make those. It didn't make much sense to me. I said, why would he do that? Who goes to the free throw line with their eyes closed? Well, there's some NBA centers, I think, have their eyes closed when they shoot. But who's doing that? Why do you want to do that? Then it came to me. You're building up a reflex. You're building up that memory of that reflex, and you play it enough times with your eyes closed, and you feel it. And I remember getting to a game last quarter, a few seconds left. I was fouled as one-on-one. That means if you make the first one, you get the chance to shoot the second one. We were down by one point, and I didn't think it in my head. I thought it later. I said, man, I'm glad I did what Jerry West said to do. I didn't have to think about it. The reflex was there. Made them both. We won, right? Now, let me say this. Walking in the likeness of Jesus means that you're seeking to live as he lived, to do what he says, model what he said to model. Period. It's more than just follow me. It is an active commitment and walk. How would Jesus treat that person? What would he do in this situation? What is the right thing to do? And it's all through the word of God telling us how we're to walk in those footsteps. Period. And Matthew and Mark, excuse me, Mark 8:35 Word of God says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whatever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Bring that next slide up because it's important. Because it's a surprising statement. What do you mean, Jesus? Of course I want to save my life. It's not what it's talking about. It means save it for yourself. Use it for yourself. Make it about you. Jesus said, if you do that, you're going to lose your life may not lose it on this earth right this second, but eventually you will. Because the Bible talks about a couple of different, well, let's just look at what does it mean. It talks about a couple of different ways that people can spend eternity. Whoever loses his life for me. That's the difference. If you're letting Christ rule and reign in your life, so here's what will happen. The person who sacrifices life for Christ will save his life. So some of the things that many of you do now, you sacrifice sometimes your reputation in the community because you look at, well, that's a Bible-believing person or believe in Jesus or whatever. Some of you sacrifice financially. Some of you sacrifice with your time. We have people that sacrifice all week long doing all kinds of things. Sometimes it's a sacrifice just by keeping your mouth shut. Sometimes in a marriage that happens. There's also, the Bible speaks about marriage, where sometimes a young person, and I see some of the spouses going like this, sometimes it means keeping your mouth quiet also, not give something disrespectful back. We've lost a little bit of respect in our world, haven't we, in the way that we get addressed. Sometimes we think we're entitled to certain things. The Bible says if you have something, be grateful for it. Young people, be grateful. If your parents have provided a roof over your head and electricity and some food, you're doing your way ahead a lot of the world. Be grateful. Now, this surprising statement talks about now and later. When you lose your life, for me, some things happen. Bring up that next slide. Because you have an abundant life now. Jesus promised you'd have an abundant life. Notice it didn't say you necessarily be rich, although there's nothing inherently evil in wealth can be a blessing but jesus doesn't promise it but you will have an abundant life because you will measure abundance differently whether you have a little or a lot you'll measure it differently because if you have a lot you'll know that stuff doesn't own you it doesn't own you god owns you and if you don't have much you have the dynamic of knowing well on this earth right now but at least i live in america i can try and work my way up and help myself and do that but I have abundance in different ways because Jesus said in John ten ten, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that may have life and have it to the full. What is that? Full life is seeing the great things that happen when you see a young man come that I knew his parents before he was born. Watch them raise someone in that home. Didn't force them when they're four to make a decision. Let them make a decision. It's abundant to see that and watch young people coming to know Jesus, not being forced to. They can do as they want can't force someone to believe in Jesus anyway, can you? Abundant that way. Abundant to see a young lady last hour come. Her husband was here a few weeks ago. Got connected to the Lord in a great way. Loved what God's doing here. And she came today to join this place. It's wonderful to see abundant living in the giving. Jesus said it's more blessed to give and receive. I watch you give and serve in so many wonderful ways. That's abundant, isn't it? Jesus said send treasure treasure to heaven. So it's abundant now, but listen to this point. Listen to this. It's abundant eternally. In John 3, 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. It doesn't mean just intellectually believes in him. It means the way that Jesus has described, to take him as your Lord and your Savior, to be a follower of Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus, to seek to put his will before your will. It means ownership of Jesus. And it tells us whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life because God's wrath remains on him. So you can find other ways. You cannot heed that warning. You can blow it off. You can use whatever excuse can be used. I used many over the course of my earlier life. But the bottom line is you come to that point in your life to realize only God could make such a claim. If a claim like that was not made, I would doubt the person or the being making that was God. God's the only one that can claim, I want your whole life. I don't have to compromise it. I want all of it. You have to deny yourself the very feelings you have in your heart about your dating life that may be off base, about your finances which may be off base, about your time, about your vacation, about your stuff. And you have to deny yourself and follow me first. Yes, take care of your other needs. God expects us to take care of our families and ourselves. He expects us to carry due diligence with us. But if you have not believed in the Son for eternal life, if you have not made that choice, say, God, I'm dying to self and living for you. It says, whoever rejects the Son will not see life. And Jesus connects the Son to his word. If you reject his words, rejecting him, Fact is, eternal life is an incredible thing. You see, those that have the wrath of God on that, it means they will see death. Death, biblically, is separation from God forever. They'll not see life because the Word of God tells us Jesus is the way, the truth, and what? The life. And so they'll not see that. The absence of God who is light is darkness, and that's where a person will go, and that's where they will be. It's an eternal sin with an eternal consequence because no one has to have that happen to them. But Jesus said, I've offered that to you. I'm giving you the warning. Let me live and control your life and have rule over your life. First, you have to accept me as your Lord and your Savior. Then let me have rule and reign in your life. Will you get it done perfectly the first day, the first week, the first year, the first 20 years? No, it's a process. But God expects us to be in that process where we learn more and more and more. And we follow him. We die to self and follow him. And it takes place in so many different ways, period. And he also goes on to say, and for the gospel. You lose your life for me and for the gospel. So what is the gospel? The word in Greek, euangelion, it means good news. That's why I say good news vision. Do you have good news vision? Do you look at this world and say, God, I don't know if a door will open up here at this cashier or in this insurance place or in my workplace or in my university or my class, but I want to build a bridge here. I have good news vision. Maybe a door will open up. Maybe someone will see that. Maybe they'll see a difference because when you pick up a cross, it makes a difference. It means you're denying yourself. You're willing to live for Jesus. Jesus. So Jesus connects the good news, and he connects lordship and dying to self with sharing that for the gospel. That's why we're here. We're sharing the good news with our city and beyond because we want people to know the best news in the world. You don't have to die the second death. Everyone will die the first death. The second death is separation from God forever. Many will die that. In fact, there's so many that are fooled today. There's so many around the world, and I'm not talking about outside unbelievers. I'm talking about people inside places of worship that will have claimed to know Jesus. that said, I never knew you. Many, many will come, Jesus said. Find me another place in the Word of God where Jesus gives the same word in repetition. Many, many will come in the last day. Lord, Lord, didn't we do this, that, and the other thing. First of all, they're claiming they're earning their way to heaven by their own way. But also, they weren't a disciple. They weren't following after it for the right reason. You see, we serve out of love and obedience. We're not serving to get. We've already been given. We serve because of what God's already done, and we serve because that's a requirement of Jesus Christ. So what do you see out there? If we're to die to ourself, if we're to share the good news, are you sharing the good news? It's a word of encouragement. Keep sharing the good news If you find yourself lacking there, it's a word of rebuke. It's curable. It's not uncurable. Pastor, I have fears in my life. Who doesn't? Come on. Some fears are really good. Some fears can lead us to the right decision, like not checking your gas tank on your ATV with a, a lit match, right? Some fear is really good, isn't it? And so, see, if fear leads us to the right decision, it's a great thing. Not guilt, though, Pastor. That's called a guilt trip. No, some guilt is good. It puts us on the right road. If we use it properly, it can put us on the right road. And if you feel some of that today, say, God, you know, I can cure that. I want to be a better light in my school, in my world, in my workplace. That doesn't mean you have to take a Bible and beat people on the head, but it also doesn't mean you have to be a secret agent either. There's ways. You begin praying for people that you live near in your neighborhood and that you serve to build some bridges to them. So maybe the opportunity does open up for them to hear the good news, period. Mark 8.36, it says, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? The word used there is synonymous with life. What good would it be if you gained the whole world? First of all, what would you do with it if you had it? Who's collecting the rent for you, and what would you do with all the money? You still eat so many times a day. Let me see with me. Breakfast, meal after breakfast, meal before lunch, brunch. Lunch, two meals before, even if you have seven, eight meals a day, how many sets of clothing can you wear at one time? I didn't see how many can try on at, this, at one time, right? Some of you may try on a few, but how many, right? After, so you gained everything, but Jesus said, it's a poor trade. If you were to gain the entire world because you've sold your life short, if you gained it all and don't have me, you're going to lose it all, Period. Because there's two existences that everyone has. One is earth and it's temporal, the other one is beyond the earth and it's forever. Every person that ever breathed took the first breath on this earth will have two, and some that haven't. Bring up the next slide. I want you to see something. Word of God is quite clear about two the two things that happen to us, and we know are going to happen. You see, it would be the absolute poorest trade possible. It would be trading the temporary the whole world for the eternal. It's the poorest trade there is. And Jesus gives a warning to it. He's saying, even if you could do that, if that's your goal, you woke up today and said, I'd like to gain the whole world. Say, no, I'm not that greedy. I just want this. 10 million, 1 million, 25 million, whatever it is. It's talking about the same thing. But even if you could get the whole world, it's a poor trade. It's a really poor trade. Do you know why? Look Look at this photograph. It's pretty, pretty telling. Do you know why it's a poor trade? <laughs> Billy Graham said you never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. And is kind of and he used that. It's used in a couple of movies there. I like these people were very creative here. They have it stored on top of the that's probably Photoshopped in there, but these are actual ones, and you can go online and see the different ones. But you know what's missing from the photograph? You know what's missing? It should say on the side of the car, warning. Warning. You're not going to take it with you. Warning. What did you live for? Warning. You will end up in this place here with these markers, whether you have cremains and you're thrown someplace or you're buried. Warning. And Jesus has given the warning because every person in this room, it's not morbid, listen to me. If you have Christ as your Lord and Savior, if he's ruling and reigning in your life, this is not where it stopped. This is the beginning. It doesn't stop there. But if all you're doing is gaining the whole world, putting all your money, all your, it gets gone. Because if you don't die by disease, if you don't die by accident, if you don't die some other way, you'll live till you die. Then What? We figure out everything else in life and think we have to have this first. That's why, and it lives in all of us. That's why Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things we added to you. But so many people are seeking that U Haul first. It says in Mark 8 37 and 38, Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Every day people make those decisions and they sell their soul for something. They sell their ethics for something, they sell their witness for something. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, do you see the connection? There's a lot of so called believers in our world that are ashamed of the words of Jesus Christ. They're ashamed of the Bible, ashamed of its narrowness. By the way, Jesus said the road to heaven is narrow. The, word, the road to destruction is what? It's wide. And yes, The crowd will lead you there and will affirm you if you're an open-minded person, say whatever you believe as long as you're sincere or whatever. They'll lead you there, and you can find comfort temporarily, 40, 60, 80, 100 years. But Jesus makes this claim, if you're anyone ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. There is a day of reckoning. And only God can make the kind of claim he's made. This is what a disciple is. This is what a follower of Jesus looks like. And I'm warning you that that day will come. I'm warning you and telling you this is what you need to do to have an abundant life on this earth. Since I designed you and created you, I'm telling you what abundant life is about. Follow what I'm saying, and you'll also have this other life that's the forever life, period. What do people give They give everything in exchange for that. They'll sell everything they have to get something that's temporal and exchange it. But the Word of God said if you're ashamed of Jesus, you're ashamed by silence, you're ashamed by action of what he said, you're ashamed in some other way because you're apathetic, Jesus said I'm going to be ashamed of you. If you will not own me on the earth, and see I have to say the truth much as sometimes the truth hurts, the truth is if you are. He just said, and he doesn't, there's nothing enigmatic about this. And what did he mean by that? It means that he never had rule and reign in your life. Because what became God inside of me was my fear. And you see, God said, I'll have no other gods before me. I'm the real God. And I don't have to compromise my standards for Joe Geratelli because you had some feeling issues or you didn't want to be disliked or disowned or not be as popular. I, listen, be popular with God, amen? Do what is, do, get that first. And what you will find, surprisingly, even though our fears can be stupid and unfounded, you'll find that people will respect you. And there are people watching right now in our city that don't believe what I believe. They do not. But I can walk into those places where they are, and there's mutual respect. They appreciate the same. I don't try to lie to them or candy coat it when they have their questions. I talk to them about it. But I'm pointed, and they're pointed also. We could have those conversations. But at least I want to stand and have some answers for them. And that's what God's asking his people to do, have some answers. have to be ashamed of Jesus. Tell them the truth. The Word of God through the Holy Spirit is probably already working on their life. And some are fighting it right now. They'll fight it, and I know that. I fought it. But you know what I found? Keep loving them. You never know what God's going to do. Even if they decide they're not going to follow Jesus, period. God says, I want to hold you responsible. You have a responsibility to me. God's result is obedience. Not looking at the result of what may happen, because sometimes people may spit right back on you. They may put you aside and put you in the category you may not want to be in. But I want to be in God's category, God Almighty's category, not out there because it's temporary. Warning on the side of that hearse or coach. So destiny, destiny. Jesus and his words determine a person's destiny, period. That's what he's saying there. You may not believe the Bible. You may not believe Jesus. I'm telling you what the word of God says, Jesus will determine that destiny. His words, his personhood determines where eternity will be spent in Luke twelve, eight and nine. I tell you, whoever acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will acknowledge him before the angels of God. But who disowns me before men will be disowned before the angels of God. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. I can look at it in the Greek. You can too, if you have a Greek, you can read it and look at it. Jesus is very clear. If you're not willing to own him here, why is he going to own you? Why? He's laying down the requirement. I'm going to disown you. Because you made yourself God, you made your feelings God, you made your standards God, You whatever it is, whatever excuse we have, the bottom line is no matter what's happened to you, God loves you, he died in your place on the cross, rose from the tomb three days later and says that I am the savior of the world, put your faith and trust in me, then allow me to have rule and reign in your life and grow in that. And it's a road that will take you down some incredibly interesting places in life, you see, to be almost saved is to be totally lost. That's why Jesus said, many, many will come to me in that last day and will say, I never knew you. Because they wanted to know Jesus their way. They wanted to know Jesus without the acknowledgement, without the precepts, without being a witness. They said, well, I'm, one of the, I'm, I'm in God's army. I'm in the secret service. Right? No. To be almost saved is to be totally lost. And there are many people that have made professions thinking they're okay. Why else would Jesus tell us? Many, many are going to come. They have their subjective worldview. And I say to you, it's never been more alive and well. It was alive back then. It's alive today. Well, I'll be okay. I'll be all right. We're enlightened today. We're, we're really enlightened, aren't we? Look at news. Bottom line is, let me show you something. It's quite interesting and quite telling to me. You know... My father smoked. I regret that he did. He did too. He smoked. That's, he started like a lot of your parents or grandparents did. Back in the day, there was no warning on that. They had doctors and magazines. I own some of these magazines where doctors are saying how good the menthol is and the smoke is for your health. Smoke for your health, right? And when he found out he had cancer, he did quit and probably gave him those six more years that he had. But if you had to ask them, if you'd like to be there for your grandchildren, for your family, you would have given it up. You get so addicted to something, just like we can get addicted to certain things in life. And following that pattern, think we'll be okay, think we'll be okay, then boom, it just happens. That warning on the side of that vehicle you saw will happen to every one of us. And you can be smart and powerful. In fact, these These are from the early 80s. They're from Air Force One. There's some pretty smart people on that jet, don't you think? President of the United States, some really smart people. You can have money. You can have prestige. You can have power. And people on that flight, I'm glad they didn't smoke this one. This came when I was giving advice to the president back then. No, they didn't. Someone that flew on that, that gave me these. They would smoke on that jet. Even with that warning. Smart people, powerful people, people that owned all kinds of things didn't heed the warning. Ladies and gentlemen, today there's a warning going out. You may be smart, you may be powerful, think you know better. God says... I have the way for you. The world says, show me and I'll believe. God says, believe and I'll show you. But see, a lot of people don't want to make that step of faith. I tried God. Don't try him your way, friend. If you try God your way, you're just saying no to God right off the bat. Try it his way. And let me say this to you. You may not find an easy way. I'm not saying if you do that, God will turn everything around for you next hour. I'm saying to you that ultimately when you get to that place, you don't have to look back you will have what you would really want. You'd see you'd gain the whole world because, you see, to those that go on to heaven because of what Christ has done, since God created it all and he becomes our heavenly Father, who has it? It's you're my children. Enjoy it. Isn't that what parents do? Don't you want your children to enjoy some of the blessings you have? You see, eventually you will get it. And it's a short time, even if it's 100 years. Boom, we had a veteran sitting back there today 97 and a half years old. and He's one of our double purple hearts. But, you know, how much longer can you go? Leave in this place. Leave. Heeding the warning of Jesus Christ. As pastors come forward right now, there's lots of ridiculous warnings in our world. Some that are really good we should heed. And Jesus gives a warning. That's why it's simply called warning today. To look at life, to look at where we are in life, what you've done with Jesus Christ since you've known Him, or not done with Him. It's a time to affirm people that are working in that way. It's a time, as we had last hour, of people just to stand up and say, "I, I, "I need to get my life right with Jesus. I want to do that." I need to begin to change my life, change my marriage, change my dating habits, change what I see, change what I give my time to, change to be a witness, change to get over my feelings and get onto the fact of what God's all about. Can we have another deacon on the side? Thank you. Today you have an opportunity to respond. I'm going to ask if you'd like to have a prayer like that. We'd love to pray with you. You can pray alone up here. Why would you wait? Destiny's before us. Why would you wait? Why would you play a game with it? The God of the universe has every right to make a claim on our lives. And he's doing it. And if you're hearing it, he's letting you know. Listen to me. If you don't have a church home today, we invite you to come as a candidate for membership. Thank you for not even waiting. You come forward. Come today. If you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, we'd love to have you as a candidate for membership right here. As we seek to bring the good news here and around the world. And if you haven't trusted Christ, if you still want to have control of your life, want to have a little bit of Jesus and a lot of yourself or half of yourself, that's having a God before him. Jesus is God, and God makes a claim on our lives. Give it all to him. I'm asking you to stand. We're not going to wait long. Please stand right now. Please come as God has spoken truth to your heart to this altar.